All right. So today's today's R is druids. R druids. R druids. I think it's is. Doesn't matter. But it's plural. Yes, but it's a singular topic. Is druid. No, the today's topic is druids. Uh, today we are talking about druids. <laughs> Welcome to the compendium. Today's grammar lesson is on is versus are when relation to druids. And I'm going to encourage you with the strongest possible language to make that the actual start. <laughs> and at the end of it, we were we will have been talking about druids. Yeah, let's go with that. Where was? <laughs> Where it was, yeah. And then now is when the intro music plays. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. Welcome to the Compendium. We are back with another class breakdown this week. I am very excited because we are going to be talking about druids. Um, I don't, oh, I I've thought never we were had... talking. I thought we were talking about eco-terrorists. Is that not what we're talking about? I mean, oh, wait, no, that's the same thing. Perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing, I think. Sorry. Uh, I've never had a druid in any of the any of the parties that I've run. Um, oh, wow. I feel like I'm a I'm channeling part druid ever since I became obsessed with house houseplants. Um, yes, and so I'm excited to talk about druids because I feel like that's kind of the essence that they exude. Um, and to my understanding, druids, like the easiest relation to druids would be poison ivy from the the Batman series, right? Somebody that yes. is just like nature is the best, nature wins out above all, nature, nature will last longer than any of us. Let's come back to nature and our roots for pun intended. <laughs> um so yeah, we're going to break down druids. We're going to talk about the class. We're going to talk about their connection to nature and animals, how they channel that for their magic, um, and give you guys all a, a glimpse of what to expect if you decide that you want to play a druid in one of your upcoming campaigns. Yeah. Another good pull from popular culture would also be the, uh, Bjorn from Lord of the Rings. He's that guy who turns into a bear all the time um to wild go shape. with kind of the wild shape thing exactly yeah um so there's a few really good examples in fact i think because of our conversation on rangers a while back i did a video on tiktok uh about all the great things about rangers because everyone loves to hate them and then someone asked me well could you explain the different subclasses of ranger and i was like yeah sure and then it turned into a whole thing and I've I've got like three of the of the classes left, and the one that has been far and away the most requested is Druid. However, Druid has been the most difficult for me to figure out, and I think I have it figured out now. Maybe uh, why is my voice so high? Um, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent on it, so maybe our conversation today will help me with that particular piece of content. So, Jason, how long how long have Druids been around? Uh, forever forever um, they're one of the initial the og classes oh okay uh i thought you meant like in the world um, no like in D D, uh, as far as the history of you know ad and all of that like going back to the original um how long have druids been a part of the the game okay so they have been around at least since second edition um but i don't think that they were really around for first uh or basic so we always have to remember that there was dungeons and dragons then advanced dungeons and dragons 
And so the second edition of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons is what we call second edition. So there's really two versions preceding that. So uh, you do get the Druid in second edition, uh, but in uh, first edition, uh, you only had a cleric and it had a subclass of Druid. And in the original, and in the original, it's even more Buckwild, as you know, which you had the original classes were cleric, fighting man, and magic user. Um, but the druid did show up in a supplemental book called Supplement Three: Eldridge Wizardry, that had the druid, which is neither wizard nor eldridge. Um, <laughs> so you know who knows. Um, but uh. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a toss up, but the idea of a nature based divine magic user has been around since the beginning. They just didn't get codified into something that is recognizable to us in fifth edition until around second edition. Fair, yeah, and actually, I almost like presenting them uh, conceptually. Um, for our discussion as a subclass of cleric, because it seems weird on the surface, but when you start to break down what a druid is, it actually makes a lot of sense because in essence, druids serve nature and they look to nature as the deity, right? And so mm-hmm. it, in a way that kind of makes sense. And that's, that's, I think, a way to put in perspective where druids, how druids go through life, where they focus and kind of where they get their magic from, even though it's not necessarily a temple shrine to a, a, a human figure or whatever. It's it's that same kind of servitude and that same kind of devotion that you get from clerics, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I could very easily see a, a character, uh, you know, in the game making an argument that the way that he or she or they worship is more pure or more encompassing than what a cleric does, because depending on the mythos and the pantheon, the created world was perhaps very commonly created by a combination of gods uh, working in concert as opposed to a monotheistic, which is very rare in the worlds of D&D uh, creation. And therefore, they're able to be in sync and in tune with the world created by all of the gods of the pantheon and so therefore they are in tune with their most prized creation perhaps um and even with druids too like you know they can worship various nature deities you know like pan and and such but um they don't really have to and in many ways i think that yeah they have a lot of similarities to clerics in that they're both mechanically speaking divine spellcasters that use wisdom as their primary stat and have some martial abilities as well i feel like they're almost more like a bard thematically in the sense that their power comes from being in tune with the natural world and a bard has their magic from being in tune with the magical world right we've always talked about how druids and even kind of says this in the player's handbook that bards are hitting the resonant frequencies or the sympathetic sympathetic notes of the song of creation the magical element of it 
Well, if that is, is the case, then druids are going to do something very similar where they're in tune and uh, integrated and in, in sync with the created world, whether that's flora or fauna. So I, I kind of like that take. And what's really interesting, and I don't know if you've looked at this, we haven't really talked about this, Casey. Have you looked at the new one D&D playtest stuff? Only briefly. I, I part really of me is kind of waiting on. until some more is released so I can look at it more holistically than like in yeah. bits and pieces. Yeah. And like we should actually do an episode on it, maybe after like one more drops. Um, but uh it's it's causing chaos to some degree in the community because they're doing it piecemeal where people are have wild right. speculations and are scrutinizing like sentence syntax to like figure out other things. The D and D fan base is learning that they're all chaotic neutral. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, and uh, but at the same time, it's really fun because they, they were going to go through this process anyway and to make it public is kind of a nice touch. So I really like it. But my point being is that they have divided spellcaster uh, spell lists into um into three different lists. There is the arcane list, the divine list, and the primal list that rangers and druids pick from. And so they're even kind of helping to make that distinction between other what we call now divine casters more clear, which is, I think a really nice touch. And it, it gives us an insight into where they're going in the future to help these more, be more distinct. Right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a great class, I think. Really and are. and it, I think they're nuanced, but not in the same convoluted way as some of the other classes. Like you can really drill down and understand what their goals and their purpose is. Whereas sometimes like with the ranger, you're like, wait a minute, isn't this this class or isn't it this class? They're really their own unique thing, um, even though they're very nuanced into what that thing is. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of like the mythos that's kind of presented in the player's handbook is it's really easy to figure out a uh, inciting incident or a, a cause to be a druid um, that they look at nature and the balance of nature and the ebb and flow of you know of forests and deserts and life and death and that whole cycle and so uh to kind of pull from what you said before it is a very holistic look of of the world and so whether they are um a bit more um aggressive in maintaining that balance against the 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 curses of civilization like poison ivy or they're more about protecting what exists like bjorn is in uh, lord of the rings or other things it's uh it it really is really cool and so whether they go out onto the adventure because they are against the undead because it is a perversion of the natural order or because they want to see other biomes because they really are in a way linked to different um, ecologies, different biomes and, and, and uh, environments or, and this goes way back to like the second edition Druid to meet other Druids of other circles in order to level up. In fact, they were capped at level 14, but only if they could replace the current holder of level 14. And there were only a couple, like I think 10 in the world 
but that could be level 14. So you either had to kill them or take their place as like leader of this hierarchy, which is wild and like interesting world building. But right. mechanically, I'm like, nah, nah, I don't really like that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah there's and like a lot as of we're talking, reasons. like so many modern fictional examples and even nonfiction, but like examples of what real life uh, druids would be, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm thinking Avatar right like the it's the nabi right um in avatar those are very classic druids in my understanding i'm thinking of the colors of the wind from pocahontas yes it's that idea of like we're all connected to nature let's Um, just go fern gully let's just get the trio in here yeah yeah it's like as you're thinking about how this overlays there's so many examples in uh literature and movies that i think you can draw from as you're looking to build a druid and make them really diverse and understand deeper their connection with nature and why it's so important to them yeah exactly and they're just a cool class to play i mean even some of the things in here uh in the player's handbook talks about you know going against unnatural things like aberrations beholders mind flares and then the undead zombies vampires so yeah th- there's a lot of strong motivations to pull from and then also a lot of good examples from uh, popular culture and history to pull from because you know druids were real people uh, mm-hmm. uh with different beliefs that have changed and melded and mixed over time but yeah so it's, it's pretty cool Thanks for equipping the compendium. We hope you enjoyed listening in to the conversation this week. If you haven't done so already, it would help us out if you take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a good review. We hope to see you back in a few days for the next episode, where we'll be continuing our discussion delving further into the world of D&D.